Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Welcome back. We are on day three. We just left Jericho and arriving to Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls. At the roundabout to the right side, you're going to see a sign in three languages, in Arabic and in English and Hebrew. And on this sign is written Qumran. And we are ascending a steep hill towards the bus parking lot. I will tell the group what we need for this site and remind them they need to bring hats with them. It's very important. They need to bring their sunglasses and they need to bring their water bottles. And I will tell the group what to expect. And I will tell them that we are staying here around one and a half hour. And this is an important site. First, we're going to go and see the movie. And after seeing the movie, we're going to go to the museum to learn about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And after that, we're going to go to the site itself and do the tour. Then we will have our lunch break here at Qumran. And it's an open buffet. And usually there are long, long lines on the buffet. And this is like the, one of the few options that we can have lunch. There's no other places. But what I do, I will order special seating for the groups, especially American groups, that they don't have to wait or waste time waiting online they can be all seated and then they will be served but first we're gonna do the tour and then after finishing the tour we're gonna go for lunch and to remind you after lunch we're gonna head all the way back to road number 90 and we're gonna go to something called Kasr al-Yahud the baptismal site Bethany of Jordan and we're gonna learn about the ministry of John the Baptist and after that, we're going to head all the way through the Jordan Valley to Nazareth to stay two nights. Now, all the group are going out of the bus and following me. And I'm on my way to get the tickets from the visitor center. And then I will book the movie for the group. And the group will go inside a hall. And I will inform the group that this movie is very important. And they have to hear every sentence and please do not sleep. And it's important, this site come around, which we will learn about. And then the movie will start with a short introduction of an aerial view of the Judean desert with only music. It's like one minute. And then the introduction would finish. I will immediately jump from my seat and tell the group again, the movie finished. Follow me to continue the tour. Of course, it didn't finish, but it looks like it finished because after the music uh, ends, everything will be dark and it looks like it finished. 
but by, by thy time they will see that I am joking and they will laugh out loud and then I tell them okay the movie started let's be silent this will be so funny because I have done it so many times and it's really really fun to see the reaction of each group after the movie will finish there is a screen that can go automatic all the way up to the top and in front of us we're gonna see a replica of a cave and inside this cave there are jars and inside the jars there are scrolls and I will point with my hand to that direction and I will say follow me and that will be the beginning of the tour of the museum and I tell them this is what the Bedouin have seen by his own eyes in 1947 inside cave number one then we're gonna move forward a little bit and to the left side we're gonna see a replica of a ritual bath and then we're gonna continue inside the museum to go to see a parchment of a replica of a scroll I will explain for the group why the Dead Sea Scrolls is a very important discovery and it is one of the most important discoveries in the history of the world because the earliest Hebrew manuscripts that served as basis for the translation we had dated from medieval times so that was the earliest complete Hebrew Bible that was called the Codex of 1008 AD I don't know if you heard about the Aleppo Codex and that was the complete what we have since only the 11th century but with the Dead Sea Scrolls suddenly we had manuscripts dating back all the way to the birth of Christ and that means this is the earliest and the nearest references we can have to the time of Jesus and they found all the books of the Old Testament except one book which is Esther and that was the one of the most important findings because it's proving that scripture what we have an early translation is exactly the same what we have today in our Bibles so that was one of the biggest discoveries in the world and as you see in front of you you see a scroll a parchment and it's made from a skin of animal usually the ibex or the gazelle or what you call it the deer and you can see it into different parts because it's made from the tummy of the ibex and they like sew it together with the veins of the ibex and make it one large scroll and what we are seeing this scroll is speaking about the community hall or the community rules for the Essenes and anyone who knows Hebrew or Aramaic can read the scrolls from 2000 years so I will ask one of my guests to prove it show me where you want me to read so they point for me where you want me to read and I will start reading for them an ancient scroll from 2000 years in Hebrew and it's very simple so this scroll speak about the community and the rules to be inside this community and because the Essenes were really really very religious and very pious and serious about their faith and the Essenes which are called uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and they have to understand that uh, they belong to the Zadok families they were high priests in Jerusalem 
And when the Hasmoneans came in control, minus 167 BCE, which is 2 BCE, they kicked out the Zadok families from the temple in Jerusalem. And as a result, the Hasmoneans, the kings, the Maccabees, you know them, ruled at the temple and they became so much corrupt. So the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls, wanted a place for a refuge. And the only place running away from the corruption of the temple and the corruption of Jerusalem and the corruption of the high priest was the desert. So the desert was a refuge for them. Follow me, let's go out to see where they lived. So now we are leaving the museum and on our way all the way up through a short hike and I'll be standing nearby a sign and on the sign is written a ritual bath and to the left side of the sign there is a real ritual bath from the 2nd century BCE and to my back there are a series of mountains and you can see a lot of caves. I can point for the group around like nine caves that we can see by our own eyes. And just to tell you, there are more than 250 caves in this area. Now, I will ask the group a question. From where did the Essenes who lived here in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, bring water? And you have to understand there are two important things when we speak about a site in the ancient world, at least in the ancient Middle East. Number one is water, very important, and number two is security. So from where did the Essenes bring water? And many people will tell me from the rain, I tell them it does not rain here much, it's only two <laughs> inches maximum a year. And then they will tell me from wells, I tell them there's not much wells in this area. Then another one will suggest to me from the Dead Sea, Tell them the Dead Sea is like poisonous, it's a lot of salt. Very hard people would understand the answer. So I make it easy for them. I tell them flash floods. When it rains hard in Jerusalem, after like four, three hours, all the rain that comes all the way from the top, from 850 meters above sea level, from the mountains of Jerusalem, will go all the way down through the mountains of the Judean desert and all the way down to the Dead Sea. And a real story. Once I was with a group explaining about flash floods, and it was marsh. It was raining really, really hard. That was a strange marsh. And it was in 2015, and it was raining so much hard in Jerusalem. And we were expecting flash floods, because I've been seeing so much flash floods throughout the years. And I was telling the group, we might have a flash flood at any minute. And they made fun of me. They said, there's no way. Then I heard wind and I heard a roaring noise. And usually before the flashlight comes, you hear a little bit of like wind and roaring noise, like an earthquake, but it's not an earthquake. So I immediately knew that this flash flood is coming. So they thought I'm a prophet. No, it's not a prophet. I only had the experience of flash floods. And then when I was explaining, we saw water coming from the mountain ridge. There is a mountain like between these two hills and there is a white sand you can see and then the water will come in between and the water start to come slowly, 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 slowly and then more and more and more even covered us where we were staying and standing and it, we rushed to the bus and I remember that day we were stuck for four hours because there was a flash flood coming from Qumran.
and then our destination was going all the way to Engedi. After Engedi, also there is an area called Ambukek, and our hotel was in that area. So what I have done, I immediately took the phone, and immediately that was an emergency, and I booked a hotel in Jericho for that night. The tour leader and the group said, "No, we want to go to the other side, Engedi." I said, "There is no way." There's flash floods and we can't go. If there's flash flood in Qumran here, probably there's a lot and plenty of them on the way to Engedi. And they saw one of the buses wanted to go to Engedi. And because we were stuck like mostly three, four hours, because we were in between and we didn't go back or forward, they saw the other bus that was going to Engedi also return back because he couldn't do it because on the way there were so many flash floods. And after the flash floods finished, and of course the authority came from the national parks and closed the roads and we can never cross a flash flood we are not allowed to do that we have to wait and after four hours only they gave us the permission for the bus to go over it and we went to jericho back it's only like 20 minutes and we were able to check in the hotel in jericho i think the tour leader was impressed because i acted so quick and i knew what i'm gonna do and he knew that the best option was to stay in Jericho. Anyway, this is a story on a side that happened with me in 2015. And it was a fun experience. But some of the group members, of course, got so scared. But I tell you, it's so scary and it's so dangerous when a flash flood takes place. So the Essenes gathered, made a canal. And through this canal, a channel, gathered all the water that comes from the mountains that come all the way down to the side and diverted it all the way to a big cistern. So one or two flash floods, they will have abundance of water in Qumran. So from where did they bring water? From flash floods. So they knew how to use the water in the first century in ancient time. And it was all gathered in the cistern. Let's go and see this cistern. The group is standing at the top side of the cistern and looking all the way down through a circular round and the cistern is very deep and I tell them be careful when you look down, be careful your hats, be careful your sunglasses because this cistern sometimes become a museum and there is plenty of hats down and sunglasses. And I tell the group look once I found down in the cistern shoes, I don't know how the shoes went down. So be careful not to lose stuff in the system. And I tell them like every six months or four months, the National Park Authority, they come with a long, long stick and go all the way down and take all the hats and everything they found in the system. So be careful your hats and especially your sunglasses and your iPhones. We don't want anyone to lose anything in that system. So I will show them how through the channels all the water will come and end in the center of the site at the cistern itself. And then they will use to cover the water for protection from sand. And uh, after like uh, maybe a week or 10 days, the residue will come down and they will have fresh water that they can use for the next year because of the flash floods. Then I'll continue with the group. I show them to the left side. There's the dining room where they gather to eat and how they functioned as a community. They've done things together. And the Essenes 
in Hebrew means yachad. Yachad means together. So they believed themselves as holy sanctuary for God. They were really charismatic. And they believed in the power of the Spirit. And they believed that they don't have to fight. And there's a lot of beliefs in their like scrolls about eschatology, about the end days that the Messiah will come back and save them. And they do not have to fight. They only have to pray and be spirit-filled and use the ritual bath before they ride. They use the ritual bath minimum twice a day before they pray. And you have to understand that they were all scribes. They are scribes well-educated and their divine work was just to write scripture to preserve the word of God. And they were very holy sanctuary for God. And it was proven by most of the archaeologists and the scholars that there were only men in this community and not only not women, only men in the community. And it's believed there are around 250 to 300 scenes or they called yachad that they live together and this is the dining room where they share everything together it's all about the community and not the individual when it comes to the dead sea scrolls to the scenes we will walk towards a big system and then i will tell them what they're going to share with you is important 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 focus 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 by this time, they know when I repeat things three times, it means it's going to be funny. So be ready. So I gather all the group. And in front of them, there is a very big cistern, very deep. And on part of the wall of that cistern, there is hookum horns. It's a shape of a plaster, even it's orange. And it looks like hookum horns. And I will put a picture of that inside the podcast and people will laugh so much and not all the groups will understand what i'm talking about only the groups from texas and suddenly when they see it they get very happy and they get very loud and start to take pictures and i tell them this is my copyright only me once i was here with the group and i was in a good mood and i looked at that wall of the cistern and i saw the hookem horns this is how show how much show to you how i love texas so this would be a happy moment especially if the group is from texas so i prove from them texas are very spirit-filled people so there is a relation between the dead sea scrolls and texans anyway that was a joke on the side hopefully people get it but not everyone everyone get this joke now I continue with the group towards uh, cave number four. So we are standing and looking at cave number four. And I will tell the group to sit down because now I'm going to share with you the story how the Bedouin found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And when everyone is seated, I will start teaching. And I will say the name of the Bedouin was Muhammad al-Dib. You don't need to remember his name, but he was uneducated Muslim religion and Bedouins despite they are not educated they are very wise they can master the desert and they can read the desert and they can understand the ways of the desert and this Bedouin originally is from Bethlehem 
from a village called Ta'amri village in Bethlehem, which is not far from here. Hiking is around like one hour from here. He was with his flock and he lost a goat. And you have to understand if a shepherd or a Bedouin loses one of his flocks, that means it's like he failed and he's not a good shepherd. But anyway, he saw a cave and he thought that maybe the goat was in that cave. And he took a slab of stone and threw this stone inside the cave. Because if the goat was inside, it would run away immediately. But instead, he heard pottery crashing. And in the desert, it's very quiet, so he can hear things from far distance. And it was getting dark, so he decided to go back to his village. And on his way back, he found his lost goat. He told his cousin the story. Next day, he and his cousin decided to come back to the same cave and enter inside. And they were in a shock. They saw jars, and inside the jars, they saw parchments of skins of animals. It's like leather. They said, we're going to be very rich. This is leather. We're going to sell the leather and make a lot of money. And you have to understand that they were not educated. They did not know that this is not only leather. These are parchments of scrolls that have Hebrew and Aramaic letters that speaks about the Essenes and the Dead Sea story. And that is very, very genuine. So it happened that there was a shoemaker in Bethlehem, in the Manger Square area. And this shoemaker buy a lot of leather. So they had the idea to sell the leather to the shoemaker. The shoemaker is an Assyrian Christian. And Assyrian Christians knows Aramaic and they know Hebrew so when the Bedouins came show him the leather he was like his eyes open and asked them where did you find this leather they said in the area the caves of the Qumran nearby the Dead Sea so he looked at that leather and opened part of it and he saw Aramaic letters coming from out he said sure I will buy it from you and he gave them 100 dinaries you know what hundred dinaries in 1947? It means like a thousand bucks money today. So the Bedouins were so much happy to make all that money, hundred dinaries for themselves. And they left so happy. The Assyrian Christian is so much educated. He contacted his Assyrian bishop in Jerusalem and he told him what he have. So he took all the scrolls to the Assyrian bishop and the Assyrian bishop decided immediately that this looks very genuine and very important scrolls and he booked a ticket all the way back to USA. In USA they were testing these scrolls and in the newspapers there was announced in 1957 later on took a few years a genuine treasure from the Holy Land confirming that the scripture is right you have to understand that the scrolls were found in 1947 that was during the jordanian rule but later on when they announced about the finding of that uh, scrolls it was in 1951 declared to the world israel was there and the war of independence took place in 1948 and the establishment of the jewish state so israel said now, this belongs to us. They speak about the Essenes. They speak about the Jews who lived here in the first century. 
So we need the scrolls back. So the Israeli government decided to buy back the scrolls, one and a half million shekels. They paid for that to get it back to Israel. And today, part of the scrolls are in the Israel Museum. But actually today, most of the scrolls are back to the USA, going from one state to another state through exhibition and just to do funding for the scrolls. I tell the group stand up and let us look at cave number four because this is one of the most important caves and cave number four have the most significant findings because we found more than 600 scrolls and parchments of scrolls inside that cave. So it's called the library of all the libraries and this is the highest number of scrolls was found in one location. Then I will give the group like 10 minutes to relax and have pictures of the cave and take pictures around and I will tell them we will meet you at the lunch place and because at that time they will be very hungry and after lunch we head back to the bus and then we're gonna drive all the way up to Bethany of Jordan to speak about the ministry of John the Baptist and I will share with them that many scholars believe that John the Baptist was part of the Dead Sea scenes and maybe he came here for a few years because this is his area and his playground but we are not much for sure but many teachings of Don the Baptist are very similar to the Essene teachings so maybe he joined them for a few years and then continued in his mission in the Judean hills so next we're gonna head to the Bethany of Jordan so the next podcast will be day number three teaching about the ministry of John.